We are Gateway Chapel, where we build your world by His Word. We stand for fun, friendship, fellowship, and family. You are listening to a Gateway Chapel message. Welcome to church one more time. Welcome to hearing the Word of God. I am super excited about what I'm going to be sharing with you today. All through this month, we have been preaching on how to respond to the challenges of life, and challenges do come. And Pastor Eddie has done a great job of telling us how our future and all those things that God has for us is ahead of us. And last week, I was able to share with us how we can overcome the challenge of discouragement. And today, I will be sharing with us an all-important topic that will always, always come up in every area of your life. And that is how to respond to the battles of life. There are always battles in life and there will always be battles in life. But how do you respond to them? When the battles come, what do you do? All right, before I go into the word and share uh, uh, what I have in store for us today with us, uh, I would like to share a joke or an attempt at a joke after which I'll pray with you and we'll go right into the word because I have quite a bit to share with you today. All right, so... The joke goes this way. So there's this gentleman that was driving on uh, the highway. He's aware that there is a traffic camera on that particular road. So he made up his mind that no matter what happens, he's going to go really, really slow as he goes through that traffic camera. So he went through it, it went really, really slow, and bam, he went. There was a flash. So he knew that this picture has been taken. He didn't find that funny. He thought there was an error. Something is definitely wrong with this machine. And then he went back and he turned back again and then went through it again. And then bam, he got another picture taken. And then he did that four times. And after which he said, I am so certain there is something wrong with this. I am well within the speed limit. There is no reason why this camera would take my picture. So he wasn't expecting to get anything, only for him the following week to get four tickets. Four tickets. And then the ticket says, you did not wear your seat belt. <laughs> so he was charged four times for not wearing his seat belt, whereas he thought he was trying to avoid speed and he thought there was something wrong and he kept going over and over again. And I don't know if you found yourself in that kind of quagmire in life where you think you're prepared for something and something else comes your way that you were never prepared for. I found it funny, but it might not be funny because by the time, you know, that kind of uh, four tickets come for that gentleman, that is not funny. All right, so that is the joke. But I'm just telling you that in life sometimes you might be prepared for something and experience something else. But today we're going to look at how do we face the challenges that we face in the place of battles of life, when we are prepared for it, or even when we are not prepared for it. This is for you to know what to do when the day of battle comes, because they always come. And some of us are already in the day of battle. Some of us are preparing for battle. And there are different things when it comes to battles. But let us pray before we get into the word. Father, thank you, because the entrance of your word today, we give life to your children understanding to the simple-hearted, and not just that only, encouragement to the heart of somebody, strength to be able to push through, strength for conquering, strength for getting into that place that you have desired for them. That is what we receive for your children today. Let your word be clear in their spirit. Let them understand what they need to do. Let them hear what you are saying, not what I'm saying, but what you are saying to them. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen and amen. One of the most beautiful books in the Bible is the book of Joshua. 
And Joshua is all about conquering and conquering and conquering what God has ahead and his talk for his people. So let's go to the book of Joshua chapter 10. And we're going to read from verses 6 to 14 to start with. Joshua chapter 10 from verses 6 to 14. It says, And the Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up. Uh, to us quickly and save us. Help us. Because all the Amorites king from the hill countries have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army and including all the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Don't forget, this is not even Joshua's battle. But God still spoke. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. And after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going into Beth Horon and cut them down all the way from Asker to Makeda. Verse 11 says, And they fled before Israel on the road down to Beth Horon and to Ezekiel. And the Lord hurled a large hailstone down on them. And more of them died of the hailstone than were killed by the sword of the Israelites. God fought for the Israelites so much that he killed more of them than what the Israelites themselves did. On the, day of the, on the day the Lord gave Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nations avenged itself on its enemy. And as it is written in the book of Jesha, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Verse 14, and there has never been a day like this before or since, a day when the Lord listened to the human being, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. What an out standingly beautiful scripture. Surely the Lord was fighting for you. How? To respond to the battles of life. There will always be battles in life, ladies and gentlemen. My brother, my sister, wherever you are listening to this, there will always be battles of life. And the moment you decide that you're going to go for something, something God has laid in your heart to do, a word of promise, a word of prophecy, something that you have envisioned for yourself, the moment you make up your mind, you're going to push forward, press forward, proceed into something that God has for you, challenges would always come one way or the other. So let me tell you the background of this story. Who are the Gibeonites and why did the Israelites have to do anything for them? Now, the Gibeonites in the book of chapter, in, in chapter 9 of the book of Joshua decided to trick the Israelites. So God said, don't go into alliance with anybody around here. I want you to take over the promised land. But the Gibeonites were smart, I don't know, deceptive. But the Israelites did not really ask for God's 
perfect plan at that point. So because of that, the leadership decided that they were going to agree with what the Gibeonites said. So the Gibeonites made uh, it look as if they're coming from far away and said, please go into treaty with us, be friends with us, be in, uh, in agreement with us, that you're not going to destroy us because we don't live close to you, we live far away. They lied to the Israelites. God said, don't be in association, but they lied and they came. The Israelites did not ask God what God's plan was and they agreed with the Gibeonites. But after they signed this agreement to say, we're allies now, we're together, then they discover that the Gibeonites don't live far away. So they don't have a choice but to fulfill the promise that they have given. Well, good as that was, that they meant in chapter 10, even though what they did was not right, but God had to agree with the agreement that they have made. And even in your life and my life, if you're not careful and you go into some form of agreement, even though it was never God's intention for you, unfortunately, there's not a lot God can do about it. So sometimes when I hear people say, well, I've gone into marriage with this person. They are not meant to be. It's not meant to be. It's not a Christian. There is not a lot God can do. It is now for you to now work hard, very, very hard to do what you can do to serve that situation. So this situation then called for the hand of Joshua and the whole of Israel in chapter 10. The Gibeonites, every other king around found out that the Gibeonites have gone into agreement with Israel. And because of that, they decided to attack the Gibeonites. Now, the Gibeonites and the Israelites are now allies because of the agreement of the leaders. So when Gibeon was in serious trouble, they called onto the Israelites and said, come and help us. We're in serious trouble. Joshua didn't have a choice. Ah, uh, we are the allies. We've got to go and support these people. So that's the background to the story. And then the fight started. The good part of it is this, the fact that it didn't matter how the fight started. God can use any situation whatsoever to deliver victory into your hands. And that's a big one there. You see, it's difficult to get victory without having any fight. It's difficult to get victory and to get more of what God has in stock for you if there has not been any challenge whatsoever. If there's not been any pressing forward, any pushing forward, there's never going to be any achieving of any. Anything. And why do you have to press and push? Because there's a pressure against you. And that's the truth. So with the Israelites, they, did, they, they decided that they were going to go and help Gibeon. But what happened was that the key cities, the key kings that were in the south and the northern part of Canaan were the ones that were fighting the Gibeonites. So all of a sudden, five kings congregated together to fight the Israelites. Now the beautiful part of this is, now Joshua and his people do not need to fight five different areas and five different kings they all came to one place together so God still used what looked like a difficult thing to fulfill his will and his plan I promise you today that God is still in the same business of using what looks like a mystic to fulfill his plan the plan of God was to give the children of Israel the whole of the Canaan land and the Gibeonites tricked the Israelites to come into alliance and because of that alliance, five kings came into alliance to fight the Gibeonites. And then all of a sudden, five different regions of the land were now congregated in one place. The leaders of those regions were congregated in one place for Joshua and the people of God to fight in the place of a battle, to win that battle. So they don't need to fight five battles. One battle could deliver five kings into their hands. And that's the thing God can do for you. And that's the beauty of this, our God. He's still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He still delivers great things into the hands of his children where you stay faithful to him. So the battle then started on this day. And the battle was for the land. The battle originally was to support Gibeon, but it was bigger than that. 
Because now God was using this same thing that looked like a mistake to deliver a promise into the hands of his children. So let me start with the types of battle we fight. We fight different types of battle and the truth of the matter is that if you're going somewhere with your life, there will always be a battle. How do we respond to the battles of life? If you're going somewhere with your life, there will always be a battle. There are physical battles. The children of Israel had to fight physical battles with Joshua as they were taking over the promised land. They were physical battles. For some of you, you are facing physical battles now. It could be a battle for a space for a child's a child's space in the school. It could be battle for to get a mortgage for a house, to get something on this road, to get something, financial battles. There are battles like that. You desire, there's a dream in your heart. You want to move into a home and there is a battle, you can't get it. Or you desire, you want to marry and somehow things are not happening as you desire it. Or a place in a child's school. There are physical battles to fight. There are places where you have to make appeals or don't appeal. Immigration battles. There are physical battles. It's a reality of life. As long as you desire to press forward, move forward, go forward, there will always be a battle. So there are physical battles. That's a type of battle. There are emotional battles. Battles that just deal with the mind. Elijah, if you remember him, Elijah and King Ahab and Jezebel. It was a mental battle. It was drained. It was emotionally drawn out. And it was just tired and weak and he got there and it got too much for him and his mind was fitting this battle and I don't know where you are at I don't know whether you're fighting a physical battle today or a mental battle for every single one that is fighting a mental or an emotional battle Jehovah I leave them into your hands and I pray a deliverance for them in the name of Jesus God Almighty can deliver your mind God Almighty can deliver your emotions he can deliver you can strengthen you from your inner man so I pray for a restoration and help from above for you in the name of Jesus. There are emotional battles. There are emotional battles and some of us fight them 24-7. You are constantly battling this in your mind. The greatest problem of emotional battle is nobody even knows it's there because of the battle of the mind. But in the past we have preached about the battle of the mind before. So go back and listen to it because that's not what today is about. But just to acknowledge the fact that this is a reality. Just like there are physical battles for you maybe want a space for a child in a school. There are emotional battles which is the devil just playing tricks with your mind about what he's saying can happen or won't happen. There are spiritual battles. There are spiritual battles. The battle that Jesus Christ fought with the devil when the Bible made us understand that he was tempted was a spiritual battle. It wasn't physical. It wasn't mental. It was spiritual. It was a spiritual battle that the enemy brought against him just to bring him down. So to make sure that he doesn't fulfill the plan of God for his life. Many of us, the battles we fight in life will have to do with one of these three. And most of the time, our battles are spiritual battles and mental battles or emotional battles. And these are things that we need to acknowledge. They are different types of battles. But God has given you a provision and help to win every single battle of life. From the battle that is a physical battle of getting a physical place or, or, or physical papers to the mental battle of overcoming some challenges to spiritual battle of overcoming some obstacles in the spirit, the Lord has and can deliver them all into your hands. The first thing to note here is this, that after we discover the types of battle, God showed the tools of the battle to, to, to Joshua. He gave him the tools of the battle. The tools of the battle are the things that helps us be settled in a fight. So there is a fight. There is a challenge, but you can be settled in the fight. When you know you have the right tools to attack any situation or any circumstance, you are more at peace in dealing with them. 
The very first tool that God gave to Joshua in that place is in verse 8. It says, fear not, be at peace. The very first tool that God gives us in any battle of life is the tool of peace. I was having a conversation with a young lady who was going through a bit of a tough time. And I said to her, she said, what should I pray for? I said, pray for peace. The peace of God, the Bible says that surpasses all human understanding, can keep your mind, can keep your body, can keep your spirit in the midst of any challenge. How do you respond to the battles of life? The peace of God, it's a tool. Someone once said something to me. I remember when my mom passed away, I was really upset. But I remember this statement, I can never forget it. The lady said to me, she sent me a message, I said, Pastor, said, no matter what happens, don't lose your peace. She said, that's one thing we have that nobody else has and no one can take away from us. So I held on to it really tight. That's true. The peace of God. God gave that same reassurance of peace to Joshua and his people in the verse 8. He said, no, be at peace. Don't be afraid. It is not easy not to be afraid when they have just lost the battle in I, a smaller place, compared to five coalition coming against them. It's very difficult not to be afraid when what you are looking at seems like an insurmountable problem. Be it spiritual, be it physical, be it emotional. It's very difficult to wake up and not be afraid. But when you have the peace of God as a tool inside your armory, you know that you, you can overcome anything. Because when you are at peace, then you can plan. When you are at peace, then you can look properly. When you are not at peace, you're so frazzled, you can't even hear when God is speaking to you. And I speak the peace of God into your life today in the name of Jesus. Understand this, that he has already given it to you. Notice this, that is the word that God has given to you. God is still in control of your situation. God is still in control of your circumstances. You are not in control. He is in control. It looked as if the children of Israel made a mistake in chapter 9. In chapter 10, problem came their way because of the mistake, but God was still using it. I don't know what battle you are fighting, but God is still able to use it. God is still capable of using it. Be it battle for your children, battle for their soul, battle for physical things, battle for your finances, battle for your emotions, battle for your mind, or even battle for your workplace, your, your profession, your business. Even things that are beyond the plan of any man, those battles, God can still use them. And God is still set to use them. The very first tool in your armory that God is giving to you in the midst of this battle, never forget, is the tool of peace. You've got it. The moment you have given your life to Christ, you're born again, you're spirit filled, you've got it. I was talking to someone recently. I didn't know her. She was recommended to come and talk to me by a church member. And I asked her this question. When she told me all the challenges around her, I asked her one question. I said, are you born again, girl? She said, yes. I said, Okay. Let me give you one tool you got. You got the tool of peace. She said, how will I know that God is still here with me? I said, just ask him for his peace. Just ask him for his peace. It is a tool that's already in your armory. It's a tool you already have. How do I ensure I have peace? Every morning you wake up, you ask for his peace. Every afternoon when the devil is showing you all the evidence, all the reasons why you should be afraid, remember, he says, fear not. The peace of God that passes all human understanding, will fill your heart and soul. God knows your tomorrow, so he will grant you his peace because he knows that you need the peace. That's the first thing. Joshua, uh, John chapter 14, verse 27 says, My peace I live with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Our hearts can get troubled. Our hearts can be afraid in the midst of battles. Five 
serious battles coming against one person is tough. Maybe you woke up, maybe there are bills to pay. Maybe you woke up, there's health crisis. Maybe you woke up, there's worry whether there was going to be job tomorrow, there's not going to be any job anymore. There are other crises that nobody even knows. Then there's mental crisis that nobody can help you with. But God wants me to remind you today that he has given you a tool, and that is the tool of peace. That's the first tool in your armory. The second tool in your armory is this promise. Verse 8, went ahead, it says it. Verse 8 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into your hands. The first tool is the tool of his peace. The second tool is the tool of his promise. Ladies and gentlemen, learn to familiarize yourself with the promise of the word of God. All that God will ever give to you is in his word. If you slow down, if you stop during this period and acquaint yourself with the promises of God, then you will win any battle, mental battle, physical battle, spiritual battle. You are on for a winner if you learn how to take advantage of this tool of his promise. It says, look, I have already delivered them into your hands. That is priceless. I don't know what you're facing, but God wants me to remind you that he has already delivered into your hands. He has already given you the victory. The beauty of God's promises, it looks at the end of the matter from the beginning. God does not look at how difficult the challenge is. God doesn't, interestingly, God doesn't even look at the process. God gives you the end of the matter. I remember very, very clearly when we were in Cyprus, it was so, so difficult to, to migrate down here. God gave us the word. We believed the word. But he said to us, said, then men and women will carry your children upon their shoulders. Now listen to this. To even get a visa to come down was a problem. So how will men and women carry our children upon their shoulder there? God said, I've delivered the land into your hands. But physically speaking, the visa officer keeps rejecting. Rejection and delivering the land into our hands are two different things. How are we going to get into the land, God, if there is no visa? God gave a promise. Visa officer was doing other things. Physical things were doing other things, but God's promise stands forever. Now he said, men and women will carry your children upon their shoulder. We didn't know any man or any woman in the land. How are they going to carry our children upon their shoulders? How? As at this time, we had one child. So we know that God is saying another child is coming, obviously. And then there are people that he has prepared, that will take care of these children when they come. That's the thing about God. God sees the end of the matter from the beginning. So despite all the rejections, I give praise to the Lord. Like P.E. always says, we push forward because the best of you is still, in the, still ahead of you. And truly, we push forward believing for what God has said. It was not the process we believed in. The process was hard. And sometimes many of us think, but when is God going to do it? And I always say to people, he did not put a time limit to it. He said he will do it, he will do it. When he's ready to do it, he will do it. Because he said he will do it. The promise of God. He didn't say, well, this is how it's going to happen. He just said, I have given them into your hands. I'm the one that brought them all together to fight you at the same time. And I'm saying to you, I don't know what you're fighting right now, but God is wanting me to tell you from verse 8 of that scripture in Joshua chapter 10, that he is the one that brought them all and allowed them all to come to one place, congregate against you, because he will deliver them into your hands. Truly, God fulfilled his promise. Was it difficult for us, the process? It was tough for our flesh, but God fulfilled the promise. God did it. He did the visa when he did it. God made sure we came into the land we didn't know anybody. God made sure we went to a church where we knew people. God made sure that men and women carried their children upon their shoulders, just like he said. 
Our experience of the land was completely different from what anybody else have ever said about the land. Just because he said it. What promise has God given you? He can't fulfill it. The third armory that you have in your, or tool that you have in your armory is the tool of his power. Verses 9 to 14 was brilliant. Absolutely love the scriptures. Go back and read it in your time. I read it earlier. 9 to 14. The tool of his power. You got the tool of his peace. That is surpassed all human understanding. You got the tool of his promises. Please acquaint yourself with the word of God so you know the promises he has given to you. And then the tool of his power. It's amazing what God did in these verses. It's amazing because God actually did two major things. God moved in the heavens and rolled hills, hailstones upon these people. It's amazing. You know, the beauty of that is this. When God wants to show his power, it doesn't need your help. It will show his power anyway. It will step into a matter and show himself strong on our And I can give you testimonies upon testimonies of how God stepped into people's lives, our own lives as a family, and many people even in scriptures. This scripture showed that when God was going to drop the hailstone, the people, the, the, the five kings and the five nations were in the same place as the Israelites. And hailstone came from heaven and dropped on only the five nations and the five kings and their fighting men they did not drop on the Israelites in the same town. In the same place. In the same town, in the same place. That's the power of God. The power of God can deliver anything into your hands. The power of God is a massive tool that you got because you have to start to start looking beyond yourself and look at your God that can do beyond your wildest dream and imagination. Does God still send bread from heaven? Somebody say, yes, he still does. The power of God. The power of God. I remember one of our stories, and you've heard me say it sometimes, you've heard Eddie say it sometimes, I said he say it sometimes. There was a story of ours when we went into, we went into this uh, uh, post office. I'm not going to tell you the detail of that story today because there's not enough time to go into it. But the baseline of the story is we did not have a single penny to feed ourselves or two little children. Nothing. The last money we had was in the form of a check. Eddie wanted to do check for cash. I told him it's the post office we should go to. So we went to the post office and put the money in. Long, long, long story. The money went in and that was, they said, 21 days. 21 days before one more penny comes through the family. Meanwhile, the kids need to eat. Well, children went for 21 days. There was no food at home. It would only take the power of God to deliver on that. Ladies and gentlemen, from absolutely nowhere, one of our brother friends, which, whom we did not know, who did not even know where we lived, he heard from someone about where we lived and decided to come down with food. And they brought food that same day. When we sat down and we were looking at ourselves to say, where would the next food come from? God brought someone that we did not even know was around, that did not even know we lived where we lived, and he found a way to get to where we lived, and he brought food. Why was it food he brought when we needed food? Why did he not bring Clothes, that's your God. God knows what you need. God can deliver on what you need if you understand the tools that you have for your battle. The tools you have in your armory for your battle, the tool of his peace is so important. The tool of his promise, you can never, never understand the beauty of your God unless you appreciate his promise and walk by his promise, the tool of his power. It didn't just move with the hills. He also moved in the heavens. He stopped 24 hours. I, I was told 
by history, by calendar, that that day really exists. I think I read somewhere it's the 22nd of July. The day really exists. That is, God allowed 24 hours to roll forward until these people finish fighting the battle and they finish winning. What are you looking up to God for? God can deliver any promise into your hands. He can make a day stretch for your sake. He can change the laws for your sake. He can deliver your mind at any point in time. He can deliver spiritual victories into your hand. He can deliver physical victories into your hand. They can say the school has got enough children and is full and they can still take your child anyway. They can say that the date has come and gone and they can still take your application and you still get a role. Basically, what I'm trying to say to you is this, ladies and gentlemen, that God still moves in the heaven on behalf of his people. God still moves in heaven on behalf of his people. Be settled in the fight. Be settled in the fight because of the tools that you got. The second one is the tasks that you need to take on. You need to understand your tool, but you need to take on some tasks. And if you read that scripture with me, from verses 16 to 8 to 27. But let's read from verse 16. It says that now the five kings, they are fled and hidden in the cave at Makeda. And when Joshua was, to, was told that the five kings had been found hiding in the cave of Makeda, he said, roll a large rock upon the mouth of the cave and put some men to guard it. I want to say to you that you have some tasks in any battle of life. You want to win the battle of life? How do you respond to the battles of life? You have things to do. you got tools. You need to understand them and use them. But you have tasks. The very first task is to confront the enemy. Is to confront the enemy. You see, you cannot keep on hiding from the reality that there is a challenge. You cannot keep on hiding from becoming the person that God wants you to be. You can't keep on hiding from that mental challenge. You cannot keep on hiding from that spiritual challenge. You cannot keep on hiding from that physical challenge. So the Bible made us understand that the five kings, they fled and they hid in the cave. And the Bible says that Joshua told these five kings, he said, that were hiding, he said, roll the rocks to the mouth of the cave and post some men in front of the place. Confront the challenge. Confront the challenge. You can tell whatever it is, lack, I confront you. You can tell any, any spiritual challenge you have. You know what, this indiscipline in my life, I confront you. You know what, this lying, I confront you. This sin, I confront you. This limitation, I confront you. This poverty spirit, I confront you. Whatever it is, don't hide from it. That's part of your task. The first task is to confront the enemy. You should confront the enemy. Bible says that fear shall grip the enemy and it shall run out of the hiding place, but not the enemy you have not confronted. The enemy you have not confronted will stay there forever and build a castle upon your destiny. They hid in the cave. Joshua could have left them in the cave, but he didn't. He said, roll a stone, block them in, and then I put men in front of this stone so that they can't escape. I want to encourage you today that whatever thing in life that you have controlling you, will eventually become the one that takes over your life. So you have to make up your mind that nothing controls you. No sin controls you. No lack controls you. No limitation controls you. Your God has given you some armory, some, some, some tools in your armory. You have things to fight your battles with. So make sure that you confront, confront, confront. Many people run away from their challenges. Don't run away from the challenge anymore. In fact, I had the story of a particular pastor. He told the story. He said there was a particular person that constantly bullied him. 
Every time he's walking from school, he's always been bullied by this person. He said, and then one day he had enough. He said he turned back and all of a sudden she started running. The whole church started laughing because all along the way he was telling the story, they thought he was a young boy that was harassing him. Only for him to realize, for them to realize that it was a young girl that was harassing him. Anything can harass you in life if you allow it. From the bills to the landlord to the mortgage company to, 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 to the news, anything can harass you if you let it. Anything can harass your mind if you allow it. But you need to confront the enemy. Sin can be your master if you don't confront it. There are things that some of us struggle with. You've always struggled with. You're still struggling with it. You have to confront it. Joshua confronted the enemy. The second thing Joshua did there, he didn't just confront the enemy. He also decided that he was going to control the enemy. He wasn't going to let the enemy control him. If you want to win the battles of life, you've got to control your situation. You've got to control the area you live in. You've got to control the atmosphere. How do you control your atmosphere? By the words you speak, by the things you believe. What are you saying? Because the words you speak is what determines what you experience. It doesn't matter what happens around you until you agree with it. It never, never, never Take preeminence over you. Let me read this scripture to you. The Bible says, And Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave. Bring those five kings out to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jamoth, Lachis, and Eglon. And when they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commander who had come with them, Come here, put your feet on the neck of these kings so that they, they, they came forward and they placed their feet on the neck of the kings. So Joshua said to them, don't be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong, be courageous. This is what the Lord will do. And all your enemies that you're going to fight, all your enemies that you're going to fight, my God will bring victory to you. Confront them. Confront them. Stop hiding. Control it and confront it. What are the tasks you need to do? You've got to control your environment. You've got to control your situations by the words you speak, by the things you do, by the action you take on. You can't speak victory and act defeat. It doesn't work that way. He called the whole of the people and he said to them, don't worry about this. Be mindful of the fact that you will win this battle. So put your leg upon the neck of these kings. Don't be afraid. God that I gave you this victory will give you many, many more victories. What is your task? Confront the issue. What is your task? Control the issue. And the next one, what's your task? The third one there is make sure that you conquer the enemy. Conquer the issue. Don't allow any issue fester and stay on in your life. If you're going to win the battles of life, I promise you, you need to do this task. You've got to conquer them. Bible made us understand that and Joshua from verses 26 to 27, and Joshua put the king to death and he exposed their bodies, the five poles, and they were left hanging in the poles. Okay, it sounds gross, but the truth of the matter is that any problem, any battle that you do not finish will end up rising to become a bigger one for you tomorrow. You have to confront you have to control. You have to conquer. You have to confront. You have to control. You have to conquer. You must conquer that challenge. You must conquer that mental limitation. That thing that keeps telling you that you're not going to do well and you can't succeed, you must conquer it. And you conquer it with the promise that God has given to you. If you look at that scripture, they conquered it and they went to battle by the word that God has spoken to them. What has God said to you? 
And what are you doing about what God has said to you? Because he has given his promise and his promise never fails. But it's unto you whether you're going to conquer. He has given you all it takes to conquer. Joshua went to battle. Joshua conquered and he came out victorious. Your task, should you wish to accept it, <laughs> is to make sure that you control. Is to make sure that you conquer. Is to make sure that you confront. Stop running away. Stop running away. Stop running away from the spiritual battle. Stop running away from the financial battle. Stop running away from the physical battle. Stand your ground and confront so that you can conquer. I know the story of a young gentleman in our church. The Lord spoke to him and gave him his promise, like I said, about the tool of God. After giving him his promise concerning his wife and concerning an immigration matter, and the Lord gave him his promise and God told him and gave him a task. He said, go to the home office and walk around the building. And he walked around the building and he kept speaking the word of God until he conquered and brought that victory. He confronted, he conquered, and he made sure that he did not get controlled by the challenge. Are you being controlled by your challenge? Are you being controlled in this battle? Because you don't have to be. That's not the provision God has made for you. The provision God has made for you is for victory. And you can have victory in every area of life. The last but not the least section is the fact that God has given us the truth of the battle. And I will leave you with this. In the next few minutes, I'll tell you what the truth of the battle is. You have to be steadfast in fight. The first one is to make sure that you look at the tools that you have. The tools you have should give you something. The tool that you have is what gives you an ability to be settled in the fight. The tools you have gives you the ability to be settled in the fight, to be at peace, to understand the promise, and to understand the power of God. And then not just that, then you then have what you need to do, which is the task that you have. That's what makes you strong in the fight. The ability to confront, the ability to control, the ability to conquer. That has been given to you by God. And then I finish with what you need as the, 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 the truth of every single battle. The truth of every single battle is that you need to be steadfast in your fight. That's the truth of every battle. You must be steadfast in this fight. What does being steadfast in a fight means? It means that every fight we fight is a daily fight. Every fight you fight is a daily fight. There are daily fights to fight, ladies and gentlemen. There are battles to fight on a daily basis. You see, every time you wake up, there is a battle to fight. Every time there is a promise, there is a battle to fight. The enemy doesn't go to sleep and say, well, you won the battle yesterday, I'm going to leave you today. It doesn't work that way. So there is a battle to fight. So understand that there is a daily fight. Verses 28 and verses 35 made us understand. And they won that battle that day. And they won that battle that day. There are battles to win today and other ones to fight tomorrow. There are some emotional battles you will win today. There are battles over self-control that you win today and you don't win it tomorrow. But it's okay. You have an ability to fight. Be steadfast in your fight. Settle in the fact that God is with you and God has already given you the victory. We fight daily. We fight daily. Please note this is so true, child of God. As long as you are alive and well, there will always be a battle to fight. So understand that. Don't say, but why me? Why again? We fight every single day. The second thing to note is we fight with determination. We fight daily, but we fight with determination. Why are we determined? We are determined to win because God has already given us the victory. That's why we are determined. We are determined. Chapter 11, verse 18 
of the book of Joshua, it says something. It says, and Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Joshua made war a long time. It takes determination to make war a long time. As long as you have a vision, as long as you have a promise of God, as long as you have something that God has desired to deliver into your hands, you will make war but be determined to win. Don't stop short. Don't stop now. Don't stop because you're tired. God's peace, God's promise, and God's power is still available. Don't stop because you're fed up. Don't stop short. Be steadfast in this fight. Be steadfast in this fight. We fight with determination. The word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 15 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, your labor, when you're fighting your battles in life, is never in vain. So don't stop. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. I see, and I know many, many parents, and I've shared this example with you before as well. When many parents are, are trying to imbibe a particular discipline in the child, you never stop. You never give up until that child can't grasp it. You never give up. Why do you give up on your dreams? Why do you give up on hope? Why do you give up on what God has given to you? Why do you give up on your mind? Why do you give up on your finances? Why do you give up on your vision for your life? Why do you give up on the vision that God has delivered to you in January? Don't give up because of fight with determination. It says Joshua fought a long time. Was Joshua not given a promise? Yes, he was. Was Joshua not a man of God? Yes, he is. Was Joshua not meant to just walk in it easy? No, no, no. There are battles to fight. And the last one is that Joshua fought with devotion. You fight with devotion. We fight daily. We fight with determination. We fight with devotion. You be devoted to the goal. Be devoted to the goal. Be devoted to what God has said to you. It starts from understanding the promise and knowing the promise, after which you get devoted to it. How devoted are you to achieving this result? How devoted are you to winning this battle? How devoted are you to overcome? How devoted are you to come back with a testimony? How devoted are you? Joshua fought with devotion. Bible made us understand, if you look at chapter 11, Verse 12, it says, And all the cities and those kings, and all the kings of them, did Joshua take all of them. He smote them with the edges of his sword, and he utterly destroyed them, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, has commanded them. He fought and fought and fought with devotion based on the word that had been commanded to him. The Bible says in verse 15, And as the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses Command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord has commanded Moses. He left no battle undone. He fought every battle and he won every battle until he did everything that the Lord has commanded. How devoted are you to the promise God has given to you? How devoted are you to the kind of life you want to live? You cannot just keep on saying, I wish, I wish, I wish. You've got to arise and fight the battle. There are battles to fight. There are victories to be had. God has you in mind, but you've got to do what you have to do. You have to do the task of confronting the enemy. You have to do the task of conquering the enemy. You have to do the task. You have to do the task. 
You can't stop now. So fight with devotion. Fight every single day. Fight with determination to win because God really has planned for you to win this battle. But this battle can never be delivered into your hands if you choose not to fight it. How do you respond to battles of life? Be, res be responsive by knowing that you have already won. The promise has come. The tools you have are great. You have the tool of his peace. You have the tool of his power. You have a tool of his promise. So do your own task. Make sure that you confront the challenge. Make sure that you conquer the challenge. Make sure that whatever you do, you know what God has told you to do and you go all the way. And how do you stay steadfast in this fight? You fight. You fight every single day. Every single day you fight for this promise. Every single day you fight for what you want to see. You don't have, you don't like what you see at home. You fight for what you want to see. In the place of prayer, you fight and fight and fight what you want to see. We don't battle flesh and blood. We battle in the spirit. So you see something. Something is not happening that you desire for, for it to happen in your marriage. You stand and fight every single day until you see the manifestation of the word God has given to you. Something is happening in your home concerning your children. You don't like it. You stand and fight every single day until you see what God has said to you. Something is not happening in your career path that you desire to happen. You stand and fight. You don't run. You don't step back. You don't retreat. You fight. We don't limit God. We'll fight. God can fight for you. He can send hailstones. He can stop the weather. He can stop things for you. But you've got to be devoted to what he has said to you. You've got to be devoted to the vision he has shown you. You've got to be devoted to the plan that he has for you. How devoted are you? How determined are you? Can you fight daily for it? Fight. Fight for what God has in stock for you. Because great days are genuinely ahead of you. I read this story as I finish, and I love the story. It says in 1968 Olympics marathon, there's a Tanzanian runner, Hawari. He cramped up due to the high altitude in Mexico City. He fell badly and he wounded his knees, and he dislocated that joint plus his shoulder, and he hit them really hard against the pavement. He, however, continued running. He continued running, and he finished last amongst competitors who completed the race and completed the race. The winner of the marathon from Ethiopia, the gentleman from Ethiopia, he finished at two hours, 20 minutes and 26 seconds. This gentleman, Aquari, finished three hours, 25 minutes and 27 seconds. When there were only a few thousands of people that are left in the stadium, the sun had already set. A television crew was sent out from the media department that they were going to take a look and, and make sure that they celebrate everyone that finished the game. And then he finally crossed the finish line with a, a few cheers here and there. But when he was interviewed later, he was asked why he continued running. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. Ladies and gentlemen, your God did not send you to start a race. Your God sent you to finish a race. Your God sent you to deliver a promise into your hands. Your God sent you because he wanted to bless you. The intention is not for you to stop halfway. The intention is not for you to get overwhelmed. The intention is not for you to stop now. Don't stop short. Don't stop short. I love this scripture. It says, Psalm 27, verses 13 to 14 in the Living Translation. It says, I am expecting the Lord to rescue me again so that once again I will see the goodness to me that he has given to me in, in the land of the living. 
So don't be impatient. Wait for the Lord. He will come and save you. Be brave. Be stout-hearted. Be courageous. Yes, wait, and he will help you. Psalm 27. Let me read this in KJV. Let me, you will love the scripture. And I will explain it as I finish. Psalm 27, verses 13 to 14. It says, I have fainted. I had fainted. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and it shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You could have fainted unless you choose to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It is possible to faint and not win the battle. But God has made provision for you and I to win the battle of life. So how do you respond to the battle of life? Ladies and gentlemen, do not faint. Do not faint because God has victory ahead of you. The whole of the north, the whole of the south, the whole of the east, the whole of the west. Start looking at what your life looks like after the victory has come and it will deliver it into your hands. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed amen and amen and amen. I can't wait to celebrate you when God delivers the victory into your hands. But I want us to pray today. I want us to pray concerning the word we've heard. Father, thank you for the entrance of your word. It gives light and understanding. I pray, Lord Jesus, for everyone that is fighting a battle today, that you will strengthen them. Strengthen them. Remind them of your peace. Remind them of your promise. Remind them of your power, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us at www.gatewaychapel.org.uk Remember to subscribe so you'll never miss another message like this one. Be blessed.